Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Josh. And I love my coffee. With a splash of crime. Hi Erica, how are you? Doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What's new? Um, nothing crazy. Just working a bunch and, you know, hanging out. Yeah. I got a new phone. Wow, look at you. Now we have the same phone. Finally upgraded. Yeah, my iPhone 3GS just wasn't doing it anymore. Yeah. Bitch, I didn't have Your an iPhone iPod 3GS. Nano. <laughs> Your iPod Nano, my iPod Shuffle. Your iPod Shuffle. Just not having a screen really killed it, you know? Yeah. You it's hard, the, you know? Do you remember the iPod Shuffle? Of course I do. It came out when I was like freaking in high school. What? It came out when you were in high school? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So you're like 40. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> What's in our cup this week? Today I'm drinking a coffee from Starbucks. I picked up my usual which is a venti iced coffee, three pumps toffee nut, three pumps white mocha with half and half no classic. And I love it. It's my favorite. That's what I drink. We like That's that. That's what I have. We like that. The huge. What, what do you have? I have a venti iced caramel macchiato with oat milk and light caramel drizzle. Oh, wow. So fancy. So healthy. Just kidding. It's full of bullshit. Yeah. Well, what can you do? To eat your own. Oh, and it, you. the goal is... The goal is, I, I went to Starbucks as well. Get your shots blonde. Everything's better blonde. My ladies, my shots. Exactly. It's just a sweeter, smoother taste and <laughs> your dwag. <laughs> and it's honestly, it just, it doesn't taste burnt. Sounds good. When in doubt, go blonde. I actually went to my in-laws this week and we went swimming or whatever. We took the baby and their neighbor has a huge coffee sticker on the back of their truck a coffee website oh and so i looked it up because i was like mm, new coffee to try okay and so i looked it up and i'm gonna reach out wait really yeah what's it called i put it in my notes so i have to find it but basically they they must make this coffee or own this coffee company or something that's cool yeah so reaching out to the locals yeah we'll see if they want to collab yeah, like send us coffee or Is something. Is it called collab? I guess, yeah. Sponsor? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what story do you have for us? I have a story that you actually know. And the story, it's got some twist. twists. It's twisty. It's turny. It is. It's pretty good. And, well, it's, it's sad. But it's a wild one. It's, you've heard of the California abductions, correct? Yes. With Steven Stainer and Timothy White. I have heard it. Usually people will talk about the brother's story, not this story. The older brother. Yeah. I was thinking about doing that. Next, like, like, part two. Yeah. But not That'd a part two. That'd be kind of good. Yeah. But I just thought like tell the whole story. Oh my gosh. It would have been cool. Oh my God. If I say one story and you say the next part. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. But I already researched my next case. So. No, it doesn't have to be the next episode. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to jump into it. The story begins in Merced, California. It's Central California, near Yosemite National Park, which is another Yosemite murder that I just did last week, in December 1972. The story has many twists and turns that no one sees coming. This is a story of Stephen Steiner and Timothy White. December 4th, 1972, young little boy Stephen, 
seven years old, was walking home from school when he was approached by a man named Kenneth Parnell. He told Stephen that he was going to give him a ride home and speak to his parents about donating money for charity. Unfortunately, Kenneth wasn't working alone. He had an accomplice. His name was Irvin Murphy. That just sounds like a creepy-ass name. Both of the names, Kenneth Parnell and yeah. Irvin Murphy. Yeah, they kind of sound rapey. <laughs> they do. I hate to say it. Um, sorry to all the Irvins out there. I don't know if it's just because I've already heard this story. Maybe. I don't remember every detail. I don't know. Some rapey-ass names. Yeah. Irvin was, he had a very low IQ. He was mentally challenged. And this is when Kenneth kind of took advantage of that because he knew he was able to. And basically what happened was Irvin had been on like a religious journey. Yes. I was going to say endeavor, but it sounds like they're going to space. <laughs> and basically what happened was part of his religious journey, he felt he had to guide a child. That's like what I, I don't, I'm not religious. Something in this man was like, I need to guide a child. Okay. Which mm. the fuck? But I'm not religious. I'm not coming. For, I'm not. We're just, I get like guiding children. Like maybe you want to run a Sunday school or something or like a youth group. Or like a Boy, Boy Scout Scouts, <laughs> yeah, you know, football or something like, but just a child kind of seems weird. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Kenneth told Irvin that he could help him with his guidance to help a child. And I guess Ken Kenneth was a master manipulator and he didn't only manipulate his accomplice, but he also manipulated Stephen. He basically told him that he was going to take Stephen, donate money for charity. Let, let's go speak to his parents at his house. I'm going to pick you up and we're going to go type of thing. And okay. Steven, as a seven-year-old boy, was like, yeah, if you give me a ride home, we can go talk to my parents. Yeah. Which is really sad. And that's something, too, I just want to say. I hear so many other parents when they're talking about having a little girl, they're always like, oh, well, you're going to have to be really careful. People abduct little girls. If you have a little boy, they're kind of in the clear. And it's never that way. Listening to true crime, I see that kids are kids mm -hmm. and different abductors and predators like different genders it doesn't matter if you're a little boy and i think always by being like oh a girl's gonna have to know to defend themselves or guard themselves from predators it kind of makes little boys feel like they're safe which is so stupid but it i think every child should be taught the same amount no matter what everybody should be taking precautions not just one gender exactly and i just think it's so weird and so i wanted to point that out because Every time people like make comments like that to me, kind of, I, I can't, I don't you have, to have bite an your example tongue and try not to roll your eyes. No, I'm like, oh, well, really? Because there's many cases where little boys are abducted. And then I just start naming all the cases like a fucking psycho. <laughs> and so this is one of them. You know, this is one where a man is abducting little boys. Yeah, it's true. And it happens. Yeah. And then there's John Wayne Gacy and there's Jeffrey Dahmer and a lot of big ones too. I think the problem is people just think men are going to abduct little girls and it's not just that. It's just, I don't, I don't want to be fucked up, but it just sounds like naive thinking when they think only little girls. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. I mean, bad stuff happens to little boys all the time too. Exactly. After hours of Kenneth and Irvin had Steven with them, Kenneth ended up convincing Stephen that he was going to be his new guardian, that okay. his parents didn't want him. Okay. And I'm going to go into that later much more. Back home, 
Steven's parents immediately reported missing when he didn't come home from school. They do search parties. They get plenty of law enforcement involved. It's a full-on search. Unfortunately, they don't come up with anything. Seven years later, when Steven's case is cold with no leads, no more details immerse, and another case very, very similar comes up. Four and a half hours away. I'm going to butcher this. Yakai, California. I think that's right. Do you ever just see shit? You're like, fuck, I don't know if I I can say that right. All the time. I was telling Joel about a case last night that I think I want to do in the future. Mm -hmm. It's a plane crash that happened in the Andes. Like a survival story. It happened in the 70s. And it was a rugby team. Mm -hmm. And they ended up having to eat each other to live. They were two months on top of a mountain. What the fuck? But they were between like Argentina and Uruguay. No, I think that's right. So they're Uruguayan. Uruguayan? No. Uruguayan. I don't Uruguayan? I can't say Uruguayan? Yeah, whatever it is. And I kept like trying to say it to Joel and I was like, okay, you know what I mean, right? I'm like, next Argentina, you know. They're not American. They like soccer. (laughs) You know, you know. I'm like, I can't freaking say that word. I don't know why. (laughs) And I can mostly say most words. But Uruguay? Uruguay? I don't, I don't, I don't want to say you're No. Because that doesn't I don't seem think right. It, no, it's like Uruguayan. Uruguayan. I don't know. Like Hawaiian, but Uruguayan? Uruguayan, I think. Is that what I think? <laughs> We're fucked up. We're just going to offend all the Uruguayans. It's your, fucking your, hard. Uruguay, it's, just, it's so hard to say. <laughs> it's, I guess I am. Like my mouth doesn't want to say it. Yeah. Uruguayan. You're, and then You're I done. think I can say it. And then when it comes out, I'm just like, okay, that's, that's not right. That's not. You're like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> so in Yakai, California, four and a half hours away, the exact same MO is done with a little boy walking home who's five. And this little boy's name is Timothy White. Sweet little baby angel. Really young. What, but Why was a five year old? Literally. What the fuck? I hate to say it, but what the fuck? Maybe he was, was he walking from a friend's house or like? He's walking home from school. From like the bus from the corner, like all the way from school. Uh, so what it sounded like? He was a latchkey kid. No, that's the thing. His mom didn't work? No, it didn't seem, they seem like a normal ass family. Okay, perfect. So, so her little five-year-old, she was like, good luck. I'll pray for you. <laughs> I'll pray for you. <laughs> Oprah's on right now, so I won't be picking you up. Monday through Friday. Yeah, she's like, can't do it. So they do a full-on search party, and they come up empty-handed once again. And the first thing that actually comes up is the media compares the two cases. They're like, seven years ago, a young boy named Steven Stainer went missing with no results. Which is kind of fucked up on their part, because it's like, dude, really? I get it was the same, but you're literally crushing people's hope. If you're not sure, you mean? If you're not sure. Like, there's no evidence of it, basically. No, they're just, like, the cases are similar. Yeah. And then they, like, kept putting it in the media that... Well, first of all, it would really scare the five-year-old's family. Because it'd be like, oh, shit, it's the same, and they never found the seven-year-old. That's what I'm saying. But also, like, giving hope to the other family that, like, he's going to be caught. Yeah. So it kind of gives false hope to... Everyone. The first boy's family, but brings down the second boy's family, like... He's going to be gone forever type of thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it is kind, it's of kind of fucked, fucked up. up. And when I was researching this case, I was like, are you guys fucking kidding me? Yeah. That's like, the media, though. 
Yeah, he's missing for a little over two weeks. 15 days later, so a little after two weeks, something wild happens, which is completely unexpected. Two boys walk into a local police department in Yakai, California. It's a boy who is 15 and young Timothy. Immediately, the cops start questioning this boy named Dennis. And they're like, what's your name? He's like, my name's Dennis Parnell. And at this point, he's already like 14, right? Yes. So okay. this is seven years later. Uh-huh. And then 15 days after Timothy goes missing. Okay. Yeah. The police are like, just like, what the hell? Why are you with this missing boy that's been missing for 15 days? Did you kidnap him? They're questioning him as a suspect yeah. because they're like, like, what the fuck? Why do you have this little boy? Which makes total sense because that's exactly what I would have thought. It just kind of seems like it would fall into place. They get into the story that Timothy and Dennis decided that they were going to hitchhike. They hitchhiked to the police station. And what happened was Kenneth brought this little boy into a cabin that they lived at. And Dennis felt bad for him. And he was like, I understand he just felt sad and alone and depressed. And he wanted to be with his family. So we waited until Kenneth went to work at his night job. He was an overnight security guard. The second that he left, we acted like we were sleeping. And then when he left, we decided that we were going to break out of the house. We were going to hitchhike. Well, first we were going to walk to Yakai, California, but that's far as fuck. Where they lived was in Manchester and they needed to get to Yakai. So they ended up hitchhiking after three hours of trying to hitchhike. Somebody finally picks them up and was like, hey, where are you guys going? They're like, Yakai. He's like, cool, get in the car. I'm going to, which. Didn't you learn your lesson? When you tried? <laughs> I didn't. I'm going to fucking say that, but. Yeah. <laughs> I, but the 70s, it was different. Yes, and this is also in 79 now. So he was abducted. Uh, Stephen was abducted in 72. This is now in 79. Yeah, and but also like hitchhiking was a lot more common in the 70s. That's true. It's also different when you're seeking it out and somebody didn't approach you. Maybe, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. After all of that, basically, they go through the process and Dennis, which is actually Stephen, ends up telling the cops, I only know my first name is Stephen. And this seems to be a very, very popular. This is the one that made headlines. This exact line was i know my first name is steven it was in media it was in movies it was in books it was in everything this was like the line the cops are like what the fuck eventually they end up getting young timothy back to his house back with his family 15 days later thank god he was alive he wasn't hurt it was good of course they're like well now we have to get steven's story because he's been missing for seven years and we don't know anything about him steven eventually goes to confess exactly what happened we're going to go back to steven's kidnapping because this is how the chronological events came forth. I'm going to go into Kenneth and Irvin's backstory. Kenneth and Irvin actually met working at a local lodge in Yosemite National Park. Irvin basically had this job. It was super low-key, didn't require much. And Kenneth only worked there because he was previously arrested for molesting a child. Damn. I literally hate him. He basically worked at this place he only could work there because he was basically like molesting a child or whatever so he had a record he had a record and they weren't checking his record exactly or they didn't care it was like janitorial or something yes nothing against janitors but back then i think it wasn't as much of a extensive background check yes yeah but now i think they do no, I'm pretty sure. Kenneth and Irvin become friends at this lodge. Probably because he liked to manipulate people and Irvin was super impressionable because of his low IQ. Yes. He was like, I like this guy. He'll do whatever I tell him. Exactly. Yeah. They ended up having a conversation. They ended up becoming buddies. And Kenneth had confessed the urge to kidnap a child to Irvin, which I don't know how he phrased it because he somehow phrased it that made it seem like it was a good thing. Okay. Love that. Yeah. Actually, I hate it. No, I fucking hate it. Like, what the fuck? Like, I hate it. No, me too. 
and he convinced Irvin to help him. And it's get so crazy. It's like I I don't know, but I feel like somebody like that would be so it would be so rare to come across, and then these two people finding each other and just happening to both think it's a good idea. And to me, like in imagine person? if you tell somebody like, "Hey, you know what? I really want to abduct a kid," and the other person's like, "Oh my gosh, sounds so fun." And be like, "Hey, want to help?" And they're like, "Yeah." Yeah, if like, somebody told me that, I'd be like, what the fuck, fucking psycho? And then I'd be like, you know what? My mom's calling me. They're like, honey, you're 32. But you also. And then I'd be like, ring, ring, 911. Like, hey, I gotta actually, I'm gonna run to the restroom. This fucking psycho over there at the fucking. But you also lodge. have a normal IQ. Yeah. Yeah, I would think the same thing. I'd be like, this fucking psycho. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> Not today, Satan. Not fucking today. And then I'd accidentally. I'd be so freaked out. Then I would accidentally hit him with my Honda Civic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. Like, fuck it, I went to jail for, you know, manslaughter, but a child didn't get murdered or raped yeah. or anything. Yeah, exactly. Good causes. They somehow convinced, he kind of somehow convinced Irvin this is a great idea. And Irvin's like, yeah, I'm down. And then they like go through this whole process of approaching Stephen on his way home. After he picks him up, Stephen was kind of giving him directions to his house. He's like, like oh, which way do you walk home? You're gonna go talk to my mom. Like, yeah. it's this way. Yeah. He's like, you just go down and then the tr- the house, the blue house, make a left. Like, whatever. Well, Kenneth had no intention of taking Stephen home, so he's like, I'm just gonna kidnap him. He intentionally didn't turn. He just continued going straight. As a seven year old, like thinking back, I can't even imagine. I always think about it. When I hear cases like this, imagine being seven and some guy picks you up and doesn't take you home. Yeah. What the fuck? And like, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to die. Like, also, you're so innocent. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think as a seven-year-old, I was You'd like... You'd just be so confused. Yeah. So they end up going to this gas station a ways away. Kenneth goes to get gas. And when he goes to get gas, he says he, that he talked to Stephen's mom. And Stephen's mom told him that they didn't want him to come home. How sad. And they didn't want him to come home. They actually decided that they no longer wanted him. He's just going to be his new guardian. I hate this story. It's like Mother Gothel. It really is. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. So he ends up convincing him, like, okay, like, your parents no longer want him. And he's just sad. And he's broken. And he's confused. And he doesn't understand why his parents would just not want him. Like, why I love my mom. Yeah. Yeah. They end up leaving. Kenneth ends up dropping Irvin off. And Kenneth takes Stephen two hours away. And they're just kind of going all around California. They're not really staying in anything, like, substantial. They don't have a home. They're going from, like, motel to motel to trailer park, motel. Like, all the low budget, don't have a deposit, don't take your ID, pay in cash, motels. So he won't get caught. Yes. Yeah. During this time of them staying at different places, the first week that he had Stephen... He drugged him with cough syrup for seven days straight. Constant cough syrup. And cough syrup back then had codeine in it that you can get over the counter. Honestly, for the best. After being kidnapped, you'd want to be drugged. Yeah. He did it to calm him down, but he just eventually kept drugging him consistently for those seven days. And I think it was to fuck with his brain so much he wouldn't remember anything. Yeah. Eventually... With their lifestyle. During the day, Stephen was actually, like, fed and taken care of very well. But at night, that's when the horrors begin. He would molest him in the whole situation, which is horrible and completely sad. Yeah. Several months go by of running, of going from place to place to place. Kenneth begins to decide that he finally wants to stop running. 
and start to have a normal lifestyle. Like he basically was like, I got away with it. Yeah. And trapped him enough to where he wasn't going to try to leave or anything. Yes. Because he couldn't, he didn't know where he was. Yeah. Like you can't leave if you don't know. Kenneth decides that he's going to move into a house, move into just a local place in some small town in California. And he decides that he's going to enroll Steven in school. And he brainwashed and manipulated him so much that he convinced him that his name was Dennis, Dennis Parnell. Also, it's kind of weird that he, after that amount of time, he'd be able to enroll him and not he wouldn't be like super far behind and no proof of him being in school yeah from his previous transcripts that's what i was gonna tell you that's i have it here back in 1972 because they didn't have actual computers you were unable to just request a transcript from another school perfect before even with your proof of identity they would ask for like just documents with his name on it and you can just be like, oh, yeah, I'll bring it. And then no, she never bring it. Or you can just say shit that schools will just be like, okay. Because it wasn't like now where you're like, well, I need this from that school with the sealed transcript. It was just like, no, this is what it is. And honestly, I just feel like things are getting better. No, they are. It's just taking time. Yes. But stuff like this is, I guess, more preventable. Yes. Because now there's so much more of a paper trail. And back then you didn't need one. Yeah. They decide that they're going to live. In this small area, small town, four years later, Stephen and Kenneth end up in a small town called Comchi, California. It is now 1976. They have a very, 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 very small town. This town is so small, it doesn't even have its own police department. It has a local store, a post office, and a city hall. That is the town. Imagine living in a town like that. Like, what the fuck? You go get groceries. Work. Go home. Work. Go home. The school, his school was 30 minutes away from where they lived. He would ride a bus every day. He was brainwashed completely. He didn't fight. He didn't do anything. Yeah. Eventually, he ends up going to high school. And as a teen, everybody, he had a girlfriend. He actually had a very, very normal life as a teen. Yeah, I heard that he was pretty popular and everything. He was popular. He had a girlfriend. There were some flaws, obviously, with his the parenting because it wasn't his actual parent. He didn't have a curfew. He was able to smoke cigarettes. He can basically hang out with his friends whenever he wants. And all his friends were super jealous, like super jealous of this carefree, no limitation lifestyle, which as a teenager, I can see why. In fall of 1979, a couple years later, he's much older and Kenneth decides that he wants to move again just to be safe. And they move to another small town in Northern California called Manchester, California. And he decides that he's going to move to a small one room cabin. That's what he bought. And Stephen is now 14 at this time. Stephen was becoming the age where he was going through puberty and he was starting to understand different things. He was understanding like, what if he fights back? What is he going to do? He's becoming a man. He's also discovering that Kenneth is no longer as interested in him. Early 1980, they move. He started the school year. He's doing his thing. By 1980, Kenneth decided that he wanted to do the same thing, but to somebody else. But he wanted Stephen to now be his accomplice, which is fucking psycho. It's horrible. What the fuck? Steven's now his Irvin 2.0. Kenneth was avidly pushing Steven to do something, but Steven would like purposely sabotage it because I think he knew what was coming for this child. I, I don't know if he like 100% did it like 100% consciously. He might have like unconsciously sabotaged it just because he knew. If, if that makes sense. And I'm sure it would have been really traumatizing for him and brought up a lot of bad memories. Yes, that's literally the next thing I was going to say. Yeah. So because he was brainwashed for so long, him having this same MO is starting to bring up a lot of different things that Steven had suppressed and a lot of different things that he didn't even realize what was going on. 
Kenneth is like, Steven, you're not helping. Like, like literally every opportunity that we have, you ruin it. Kenneth decides that on February 13th of 1980, he was going to just go alone. He was just going to do his own thing alone because obviously what he's doing is not working. And he approaches two young boys who are alone on the road coming home from school. And he asked them to help their schools were one of those schools that were like first through eighth grade. Us in California, we have like, you know, we have like kindergarten. That's how my, like my, my kindergarten was like that. Mm -hmm. Then I ended up moving in second grade, but I would have gone through middle school. Yeah. And then it would have been high school after. Yes. I just wanted to point that out for the California listeners. Yeah. But this is how it was. He convinces these two kids, one of them, Steven's friend, and one of them is... Steven's friend's friend, just a random kid. He convinces them to go ask the other kids if they have any money for church donations. And keep in mind, this was about like an hour away from where right. Steven was. Yeah. He's like going the other way away from their house on the other. Anyway, they come across a five-year-old boy named Timothy White. And he ended up starting the process of manipulating him, but convinced Timothy to get in the car with him. Then he, instead of taking him home, he took him to the one small room cabin with steven and timothy is distraught he's like i just want to go home like what's going on i'm confused like what the hell i believe he was with him for three days but he didn't drug him yet i think he was going to yeah i think that was the next step and steven he just felt bad he was like i know what's coming he was like i am gonna try to get you out of here this is when they flee and he probably didn't want to see him do these things to this little boy because it's a one room cabin so he would have had to watch exactly or he would have like been there I don't know. Like in the living room while that shit was going on in the living room, the fucking bedroom. It's It's just weird. It's horrible. The fact that this guy was such a predator that he based his entire life around like this, I don't want to say desire, but like that's kind of what it is. No, 100%. It's basically a desire. Like this illegal, like horrible, horrible crime that he had to move around his whole life just so that he could do this thing. Yes. Like, there's people that want to do things and you don't do it Mm -hmm. because... It's a fucking psycho. You don't do it. Yeah. Like, maybe I want to rob a bank, but I'm not going to do it. I thought we can probably get away with it, though. That's what I was thinking, honestly. I have the plans in my But I'm just saying, like, you don't do it because it's like... I know it's not the same. I'm not saying it's the same. It's just like, I'm trying to say, just because you want to do this thing... Doesn't mean it's okay. You have this compulsion. Like, obviously, something's wrong with your fucking head. Yes. He doesn't have the control to not do this thing. Yes. But like he needs to do this thing so bad that he based his whole life around it. And moved everything for it just because he's. So like you'll basically never have a life, never have a job, never have anything. Friends or family or like a stable anything just because you would rather. Molest kids. Molest kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking psycho. Like give up everything to do this like horrible, horrible like horrific thing yeah it's it's horrible i don't know the reason i like true crime is obviously getting into the mind of a killer or like getting into the mind because it to me it's so absurd yeah but when it comes to child molesters it's just like i don't know it's just not fascinating to me because i'm just like okay it's just this fucking weirdo and no most of the i think a lot of times they were sexually abused as a child honestly this case, I feel like only appealed to me so much the way it did was... The outcome. The outcome. That's why I was always like, oh my gosh, that like this story's crazy because how it ends up being resolved is just amazing that... The outcome comes to it because people who go through such traumatic experience, yeah. like I'll get into it later, but 
Yeah. It's the outcome. Yeah, like, I really don't care about Kenneth, and I don't care about his childhood or what happened to him. I think he should just die, you know? And that's but another reason why I didn't go into him. Like, the human, much... like, being a human and just, like, the way that these little boys persevere in the end is... is just really incredible and amazing that somebody could go through something like that and come out the way that they did. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They end up going to the police station on February 28th of 1980. And this is when the whole questioning process starts. Stephen comes forward saying, I only know my name is Stephen. I don't know my last name. This is all I really know. The entire reason why they went to the police station was because once they hitchhiked back to Yakai, California, Timothy is five years old. He's not going to remember where his house is in the dark. Stephen was like, well, if you don't know where your house is, we'll just go to the police station. That's logical. They'll find your home. They'll find your home. Yeah. And that's when they were like, whoa, you're with a missing kid. Timothy ends up getting reunited back with his parents, and Stephen does as well. March 1st, 1980, Kenneth is arrested. They were able to arrest him, which is fantastic. Stephen's life was completely changed. He went from this crazy experience from not having a stable life to moving back home with his brother to go back into all of that. He was forced to share a room with his sibling, Casey. I haven't really gone into Casey too much, and I was going to after at some point. I just... it's. The other case that I just didn't want to. Anyway. Casey, the brother. Casey's the older brother. Mm -hmm. And uh, all I'm going to say is Casey had a really, really hard time with his brother, like, going missing. He blamed himself for it because I guess he used to walk home with him. Casey just, it was really hard for him to lose his brother, to have his life ripped apart. And when Stephen came back into his life, they were suddenly forced to share a room. And they did not get along when he came back. Yeah, and I know that they were really, really close before he went missing. Yes. Like, very, very close. And... It was just not the same after he came back because... He had been through a ton of trauma. A ton of trauma and... Didn't have anything in common anymore. And this hurts me to say, but Stephen's parents believed he didn't need professional help. He, they didn't believe that he needed help at all. It was just a different time. I know. And it, as somebody who's like an advocate for mental health... I feel like I'm always telling people, like, you've taught me in my life, if you honestly feel like something's wrong, seek out to get help, and it'll help you. I think a lot of it, too, probably had to do, like, pride with the dad, and, like, obviously, like, sexuality probably came into play because it was a very different time than it is now. Yes. It's obviously no excuse, but he was probably like, oh, my son was, you know, taken by a man. And this makes him gay or like whatever weird thing that which they were probably raised believing. Yes. And, you know, it's probably super hard for him also coming home and like, you know, in school when people would call each other gay or homo or faggot or like whatever it is that they would call each other like out of like trying to be mean. And I bet you it was really confusing for him to be getting molested by a man. And like, maybe eventually, you know, it started happening when he was so young. Maybe eventually it became like normal, normal and like normal to him. It's possible that he I don't want to I don't want to say it, but it's possible. I'm just going to say I saw this SVU one time and basically the girl felt bad because when she got raped, she had an orgasm. Mm-hmm. because just because you don't want it doesn't mean it's not going to be enjoyable mm-hmm. naturally your body will might come to enjoy it now i'm not saying you enjoy it your body's stimulated in a specific way that causes you to reach that point of ecstasy 
But it's not a psychological ecstasy. It's a physical ecstasy. Exactly. So I wonder if eventually after seven years, him thinking like, okay, am I gay? Even though he's not, am I gay because I'm having sex with a man? He's a child. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into that. I'm just uh, saying it's so much more complicated than you could even imagine. No, you I know? know. And so I'm thinking like, is he thinking, okay, am I gay? Now my dad thinks I'm gay. But he, it wasn't his choice. But the dad looking at it as a bad thing, like, oh, well, now my son is this way. I don't want him to go to therapy. I just want, let's just forget it happened well, okay, and like so, sweep it under the rug. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get into that. Do you get what I'm saying? No, I know exactly what you're I saying. I don't know how to say it and I don't want to offend anybody or sound insincere. But when I heard this case and I heard that he wasn't allowed to have help because of his father, that's what I... I'm, I'm going to get exactly yeah. into that. That is right here. Yeah. So due to... I think the toxic masculinity that his father upheld, which I'm going to say. It. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. No, that's exactly what it is. They didn't allow Stephen to talk about anything that happened to him in the past seven years. Yeah. They didn't allow it, which is so unhealthy to bottle it up. Obviously, we know a lot of, thing, a lot of things are different now. And you know then, a lot more about the brain. And, and so many things. Still not everything, but definitely more. Yes, we have the internet now. Yeah. So they didn't allow Steven to talk about it. And Steven was eventually getting bullied at school. Yeah. He was getting called gay. He was confused because he was like, I had a girlfriend. I'm not gay. But yeah. he physically didn't like being molested by a man. And he didn't like that whole situation. But by the end of the day, like he went from being the popular kid with a girlfriend and he was becoming successful. He was the kid in school that like he was a football jock like that's what he was and it just caused so many different things he got very very depressed he ended up dropping out of high school well because now the whole world knew that this thing happened to him yes so it like fucked up his whole life yes yeah he ended up starting doing drugs he ended up having to move out on his own because his parents kicked him out he didn't really have a stable job he was doing the one thing that was given to him was the media attention he was reaching out for a movie and a book and interviews and he was getting paid for all of those things which and is smart which is smart. he deserves that he does yeah and that's how he was supporting himself and it probably helped him to like write about it and talk about and it. talk yeah it's so fucking frustrating and let it out you know yeah and so he was intensely bullied tried to make the best out of it didn't have a high school diploma i'm gonna go back to kenneth oh i fucking hate this guy yeah. On March 2nd, 1980, Kenneth was arrested and he had, unfortunately, right after all this happened, Stephen had to face him in a trial. Which it's like basically facing his dad. Yes. His stepdad or like the man that took care of him, but also the man that abused him. Yes. He probably felt, felt shame that he betrayed him or something. I could see that. Yeah. But also, like, you fucking hate this person because what they did to you. I think, honestly, at that point, you just hate everything. Yeah. Because there's so many different factors to it. Yeah. Your life has completely changed. You were molested for the past seven years. You're now with technically strangers. Yeah. And they remember you But you don't remember them. Yeah. And you're a completely different person. And the, the Stephen even said... And 14, puberty, you're going through shit. Stephen even said, like, when he first came home... They would still treat him like a kid, like a young, young kid, because I think that was their coping method. And it was weird. Because it got a whole chunk of time got skipped. Yes. They tried to teach him. Just to go back to where they were. Yes. 
to try to pretend like it never happened. Yes. Yeah. It, it got better after a couple months of things. She was like, I know how to tie my shoes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I also, I know geometry. Like, I could, I could pour my own cereal. Yeah. Well, anyway, March 2nd, 1980, Kenneth was arrested and sentenced to only seven years for kidnapping. He wasn't charged for any sexual assault charges due to the fact that it was done in so many counties. They were unable to physically prove it, and it was too much of a pain for a DA to try to do everything because there wasn't a paper trail. They unfortunately didn't charge him with any sexual assault charges. Awesome. Only kidnapping. I fucking hate him. He was sentenced for seven years, and he got out after five years. What the fuck? I literally put that on here. I, I hate him. I wish somebody would have just killed him in prison. Oh, immediately, the day after Kenneth got out, he tried to abduct another little boy. Oh, my God. But he was caught. Yeah. Good, um, because it's like, this guy needs to die. That's the only way. In 2008, that same year, he had a mysterious death in prison. Good. And it wasn't really researched. Because um, nobody cared. Nobody cared. They were like, fuck. all right, it's fine. Steven's life is now, now, now that Kenneth well, is dead. Well, dead, honestly. Honestly, same. Fuck that guy. Yeah. And I bet you it might have, I don't know, maybe it might have been um, a little bit of a release for the boys. Like a little bit of a, like, I hope they called him up. They were like, ring, ring. Guess what? That he's fucking bastard. dead. Like, he's dead. He's fucking dead, and we're not going to do anything about it because like, we don't him. care. Yeah. Like, I hope they got that call. He's like, fuck him and fuck you, too. Sorry, Eminem. <laughs> Sorry. That's the first thing in my head. <laughs> Steven's life was pretty much in shambles still. And it was, it was rough. By 1985, he actually started getting his life back together. And he ended up getting married. He ended up having a daughter. That's so amazing. He also worked with child abduction groups to help spread awareness and to get people... See? It's Hope. people like him that are making it so much better for victims now. Mm -hmm. Now victims are able to get the help that they need. And there's programs and there's awareness and the people know that it happens. And it's like, it's stories like this that really show you. Yeah. You know, how, how. Yeah. To cope and Deal recover from things like that. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, in December of 1989, Stephen got into a fatal motorcycle accident. And motorcycles. And it's really sad. Like, just, it's sad. Yeah. Like, his wife and his daughter was distraught. But yeah. Timothy actually ended up being at his funeral, which... Yeah. He saved crazy. his life. You know, Timmy didn't have to go through the things that... He literally saved his life. Yeah. Now his brother, Carrie. After Stephen dies... Carrie had a major, like, nervous breakdown. Carrie actually ended up moving to Yosemite, and he worked at another lodge, which is crazy because Kenneth also worked at a lodge in Yosemite. It wasn't the same one, but it was a different one. And between February and July of 1999, Carrie ended up murdering four people, which were two women and two teenagers at the lodge that he was working at. There were all separate murders. None of them were tied together. I'm not going to go into all the details of the case, but Carrie was sentenced to death in 2001, and he's still on death row today. You actually want to hear a random fact that I read? Sure. Was that he, when his brother was taken, he was already having these, like, compulsions to kill. That's a sneak peek. Oh, okay. And if they want us to... Do the story. Do his brother's story, we could do that. Yeah, which I might just do it on anyway. On our Patreon. Okay, just not kidding. the Patreon. We don't have a Patreon. Not the Patreon. <laughs> you're done. Hey, you're done. 
So let us know. Let us know if you want to hear it on our Patreon. Patreon. (laughs) We don't have. (laughs) Just kidding. It'll be free. It will be because we don't have a Patreon. For now. Until the Patreon comes out. Actually, hey guys, we're announcing our Patreon. (laughs) Well, yeah. Good job telling it. Thanks. Were you interested in hearing it another time? I know you always are, but. I've only heard that story once. I've heard his brother Casey's story a hundred times. But I've only heard this story one time. And so I like, I don't know all the details are not super stuck in my head. It's not like other cases where I know every single detail and I remember it like piece by piece. I'm a stickler for the small cases because I've heard, I, I, I like all cases. And then also, since I've only heard it one time, I only, I heard you told me things that I didn't hear. Yes. So it's like new facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, plus I like to do the cases that, especially this case is linked to another case, which is fucking bonkers. But here we are. I like to just, yeah, I like to do them all. Oh, kind of crazy. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for telling this story. Everybody make sure. Well, let us know if you want to hear his brother's case. And then please like rate, subscribe. It really helps us out. Coffee recommendations. Always coffee recommendations. All that good stuff. I want something good. Yeah. Something that will wake us up. Put us up on Instagram. We now have a Facebook. Yes, we, we do, do have, have a Facebook. Facebook. That, we that's do a have a Facebook. I fucking got you. We have a Facebook. <laughs> fucking Facebook. We don't have a MySpace yet. Still trying to get in there. Kind of, but she, every time she pending. looks at me, she's just like, nah, nobody does MySpace anymore. It's pending. We have a TikTok. AOL. Okay, you're done. <laughs> Instant messenger. I, I am AOL MSN. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, don't forget to send Josh money for coffee yes. on his uh, June 11th. Joshua Zavala at gangstamail.com. There we go. Fun fact, uh, I always call Gmail gangstamail, and now Erica's doing it because I, I planted the seed of obnoxiousness, and now she can't stop. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I can't wait to tell you my story next week. Bye. Bye.